We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the OBR Film Breakdown. I am your host, Jake Burns, here with co-host Andrew Spade. We are joining you on Thursday, the 25th of January. Somehow we're 25 days into the new year. You know, time flies when you're having fun, Andrew. That's the only way I can say it, is the, 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 the ability to get with you to talk about off-season drivel really just has a way of getting the uh, creative juices flowing, man. What's up? <laughs> Yeah, we're we're definitely already starting to send those texts where it's like I don't know what to talk about, and then mm-hmm. and then the Browns go and do something amazing by hiring a well-known running backs coach. There's mm-hmm. like 32, I mean, roughly 32 running backs coaches in the league, right? Maybe some teams don't have one. I don't know, but there's probably 32. Yeah, Deuce Staley is probably the most famous one of them, right? He's up there. He's up there. Unless I'm forgetting somebody really friggin' obvious, which maybe it's proves possible. my point. I, I I guess this is this is going to get talked about more than it matters, almost by definition, right? Because like it's cool. He seems like a cool dude. He's definitely gotten head coaching interviews. He's mm-hmm. qualified. He's more than qualified. I'm glad that he chose the Browns over the Jets. That makes me feel good. But like, uh, it's definitely because of the name. It carries more juice than the running backs coach hire should. I very much agree with that. And I think Deuce is like, you'll probably see his, uh, some of the stuff from Hard Knocks float around on social. He also is sort of branched out to a respectability at the position of doing things for the NFL combine stuff. He's got his own drill at the combine. If you haven't seen that, you can find it by just searching the Deuce Daily drill. He is, you know, pretty respected, labeled with assistant head coaching tags. I think it is obvious that this is a guy they wanted. And I think it's probably obvious too, Andrew, that choosing the Browns over the Jets, the other suitor, although the Jets do have a very talented Brees Hall on the roster, is a is a move for stability. It seems pretty obvious to me, at least. Would you agree with that? I think that between those two, that that's a pretty obvious route to go. Yeah, totally. Totally. I think that's absolutely right. I think that I, I mean I think it's a good opportunity in terms of one of the things that the Browns seem to be looking for this time around is mm-hmm. guys that want bigger jobs, to be perfectly blunt about it. 
Yeah. I don't think Tommy Reese's long-term ambition is to be the tight ends coach at, at Cleveland. And I, I frankly doubt that Deuce Staley long-term wants to be a running backs coach. I think he wants to be a either head coach or offensive coordinator at the very least. So yeah. it's interesting that they have moved away from the sort of role player model, which definitely was where they were living to a little bit more of the, the guys who are ambitious and, and really want to grab that brass ring. I think that's an, an interesting change. And then I think it also, it's interesting that they're hiring the, the less consequential spots first. I think yeah. that's a little bit of an inversion from what we would expect to see. Mm-hmm. And you kind of keep expecting that there's going to be news dropping about the offensive coordinator hire. But the longer this goes, Jake, the more that I'm trying to rack my brains and wonder if there's anybody that's still active that they would be interested in. Well, what this tells me, and I told you ahead of time, I kind of had a take on hiring the tight end and running back before the OC is, and even quarterback, Kevin's still calling the offense. I'm pretty much ingrained in the in the belief that he's calling this offense and he's trying to filter voices we said it could go one of two ways they could hire an oc and let him bring his people in and let him kind of take control of it or kevin could surround himself with different voices i mean to track staley here he starts out once he finishes up playing with the steelers obviously you know him more more people know him from his time with the eagles but he finishes his career in 2006 i believe with the with the steelers and then goes on to uh, coach starting around 2010, he joins Andy Reid's Philadelphia staff. So his early times in the NFL are with Andy Reid. Then he is retained by Chip Kelly, as we know, um, obviously two pretty good offensive minds. You know, Chip Kelly's got other issues uh, that have led to his NFL failure, but those are two interesting schematic thought process guys. And obviously um, getting the respect of both of them, obviously to start your coaching career as a special team's quality control coach in Philly uh, initially through 2012 took over the running backs in 2013 that ran all the way through 2020 um, and then got the tag of assistant head coach in the 2018 Super Bowl season and uh, if you're kind of sort of doing the math here he also lasted another regime as Doug Peterson came in so he is in the Andy Reid coaching tree spent time with Chip Kelly who we would agree we would like some of those elements to be in this offense and then obviously spent time with Doug Peterson, who comes from the Andy Reid tree, and that's a good tree to come from offensively, I believe. So goes from there, spends time in Detroit with the Lions, assistant head coach running backs again. That's what he was with the Panthers last year. So he spent two years with Detroit, goes to Carolina with Frank Reich, again, another in the same tree, and then uh, spends time there. That staff gets fired after a year because Tepper's a maniac, and you know they were disappointing in general. But I thought Chuba Hubbard really came on pretty strong for them, if we're being honest. So comes to Cleveland. I like, let me ask you this, as far as a background of a coach to do this sort of thing, do you like the experience that he has and brings to the table? And I would ask you two, two things. Do you expect him to be named assistant head coach here? And do you expect him to perhaps even get the run game coordinator label? I think run game coordinator is more likely. I think Bill Callahan is currently the assistant head coach, if I'm not mistaken. Every day that goes by with Callahan is one less. Yeah. You know, decisive thing that he's going to coach for his son. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, I think that I I would categorize that situation as continuously unfolding. I know there's been some reporting saying that he's not going, uh, but there's also been quite a bit that would expect, you know, that led us to believe that he would. So I, I think the indications are mixed at best. I'm waiting to see on that one. But yeah, I think that there's probably a supplementary title with this for Staley to in terms of 
enticing him. Maybe the paycheck's a little bit bigger, but just whatever the resume stuff, I, I don't know how all that works and who cares about it or whatever. But I, I do think from a, from a coaching pedigree standpoint, I think you, you were right to mention Chuba Hubbard. I think that the Eagles kind of made a living for a long time of having running backs that kind of would come out of nowhere. I, I think, I, I, I don't think that this is made up that, that Deuce Staley knows what he's doing. Uh, I, I don't, I don't have that feeling at all. So very much a good motivator from everything you see too. And that's a mm-hmm. lar- large part of position coaching is teaching the right habits for you to be a successful NFL player. That's I've right. seen it. I've been around it and I've done it. Do what I am telling you to do and you can find success. So I didn't mean to cut in, but like that's, I think people misconceive sometimes that position coaches are doing more X and O stuff and they're really not. They're teaching these guys how to handle themselves and be prepared take what they're talking about in the coaching office of what we're doing for the day or what we're doing for the week and applying it to the field. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. I think you see, you saw Jerome Ford felt like a player who came into the league with some promise. I don't think that we've seen a lot, enough development from him. Pierre strong added yeah. through a trade this, this off season, haven't seen a lot of development from him. So I think helping those guys reach their potential and then whoever else they bring in, because obviously they are going to bring at least one, if not two, somebody's in the door. That's that's his job, right? Getting the most out of those guys. And you're right that it's less about telling them where to go and how to do it and more about teaching them how to study film, teaching them how to be in the weight room, the things that he learned in the NFL. There's also the running back rotation, which is largely driven through the running back coach, sending guys on and off the field. So I will be very interested when Nick gets back to full strength, what that looks like is a large part of what everyone likes to complain about. Nick's not on the field when it matters. He should be on the field more. And people don't understand that guys who are calling plays are not telling players to get on the field. They'll communicate stomp. Hey man, is 24 in. He's not okay. Let's do this. You know, there's communication there, but from everything I've ever seen, there are times when, you know, a coordinator or a, and this coach, a head coach will, Hey, I need Nick in this scenario, but the running back coach handles that for the most part. So that's just another nugget to the position that is worth considering. But where do you stand on what I'm saying, Andrew, which is, the hiring of a tight end coach and a running back coach before the movement at quarterback and potentially could be a dual rule. We'll see. But before the movement at those spots, it does tell me Kevin is surrounding voices from different trees, different trains of thoughts. He's still calling the plays and it's about fitting voices to help him expand who he is. I think that question from, from the pod, the, I'm not sure it was part one or part two. I think it was part two from yesterday's mailbag was a good one about, He's, is he bringing guys in to fit into his mold or is he bringing guys in to help him get better? And I get the vibe he's trying to help himself get better and expand thought process. Yeah, I think that's where things are pointed at this stage. I think the only thing I would say is that certainly we know Deuce Staley had other interests, other coaching interests. It might very well be that Tommy Reese did. I think it's likely that he did as well. Sure. So these timelines all kind of develop at their own pace, right? And uh, I, I I agree with you. I think that it doesn't feel likely that you would then now go after sort of a big name offensive coordinator. I think the fact, the biggest thing to me is the fact that the coach has, or the, the search rather has been so quiet. I, I think if they were really big game hunting the way they did last year, when they went after Flores and Schwartz, et cetera, yeah. y- you hear about it because those yeah. names, they're trying to drum up interest because they're trying to get the best deal possible. That's how this, whole coaching search thing works. You yeah. want to be an in-demand candidate. That's that's the desire of all of these guys because it raises your price tag. So the 
the fact that they have nothing has really come out other than a few names and it doesn't seem like they're in a particular hurry tells me that they're not concerned about courting the quote unquote best candidates. They're more concerned about finding guys that fit what they feel they need. Yeah. I think that's a safe way to put it at this point. So Deuce Staley, welcome to Cleveland. Probably fits in really well with the dude wipes, you know, scenario that the Browns are just running out there all the time. And, um, you know, Deuce's yeah, they, group just took a deuce on him. Well, I mean, got, what else do you have off the top of your head? Oh, none. I I passed. But they, they oh, uh, come on. yeah, it's not Great. something I'm interested in. They, they sometimes, I think at colleges, will have like the, uh, like some, either a booster or a famous athlete will have like a, an endowed coaching position. I would argue that now that I think you could maybe argue that it's the sort of the dude wipes memorial running back coach, Deuce Staley. Mm. I think that's the way they're going to go with it, right? That they're going to just go ahead and sponsor specifically that, that, that coach. Because you think like marketing head is calling the Browns and like giving them a little elbow, like, Hey, think about the opportunities here. Well, listen, I'll say one thing for sure. Whoever's running marketing for that company does not seem to hesitate to take an opportunity. So, and the Browns don't say no. Right, and the, the Browns have not exercised a lot of discretion in that regard. There we go. So, yeah, I, I think it's un, it's unlikely that they will miss an opportunity to make a crass joke about this. Next topic is the Pro Football Writers of America. As we get several different, uh, we get like, you know, the, uh, the Football Players Association. We get the Pro Football Writers of America. We get the Pro Football Focus. We get the Pro Rotary Football. Club. Everybody, your local Lions, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, whatever. Yeah, everyone's involved. Well, we get the Pro Football Writers America. The first one that's really released, I think PFF did too, but you know, I don't really, whatever. Um, they did recognize Miles, so we want to make sure we're clear about that. So that's one. And now we have the Pro Football Writers of America recognizing Miles as the defensive player of the year. And if you really want to have fun and and poke through some um, really sad Twitter accounts, just look at the replies to that, and you'll see nonstop Pittsburgh people complaining about TJ Watt. And it's honestly, it's to the point that it's sad. It's like this is where you guys are spending all your time, invested time, hating Miles, not understanding the big picture. And it's it's genu- it's genuinely sad that this is the thing they have to do all off season. I know that's that's the overwhelming feeling I have. So. Um, if you want to riff on that, you can, if not, we can just move on to the other awards. No, I mean, it's, it it doesn't ever get old to think that the, the, the thing that comes, comes back to me with this is the sense of entitlement, right? Like we talked about this towards the end of the regular season, the Steelers were struggling. I think it was that Patriots game. They're losing. And I remember very vividly that Trubisky threw like a sort of, a sort of quasi hail Mary down the sideline in a late game, fourth down situation. Fourth and they're short, if I recall. Like yeah, and there there was an expectation from everybody in that stadium in Pittsburgh that they were going to throw a flag, that the officials were going to throw a flag, because not because there was any contact, but just because that's how the script works for them. They get bailed out in ways like that, and it's the same thing with with this award. The expectation from Pittsburgh people is not that T.J. Watt is better; it's that he's a stealer and therefore more deserving. That's, couldn't agree more. That is how their brains work. And it so then if the statistics don't support it, you got to just now shop around until you find statistics that do support it. And that's what they do. So my encouragement to you would be, uh, I coined the, the nickname Captain Cleanup. I'm enjoying using it. 
I would just encourage everybody to just be completely dismissive and call names. This is that's the mature way to handle this. Yeah, it's just fun to like laugh at them, just like a simple haha or lol or quote tweet them with something smart. You know, just make it make them feel your your presence. That's what we would ask of you. So, um, yeah, take it take advantage of that. I did I do think the the funniest one is the uh, folks who are claiming race was involved in this one, which is um, I'm not going to spend any time on that, but that's something. That's a choice. That's a choice. Next thing is the other award. So we have Christian McCaffrey, Offensive Player of the Year. Any um, issue with that, Andrew? You good with it? Yeah, very good with it. I, I mean, he's, he's deserving. Did you Definitely see this deserving. coming from him when he was traded from, from Carolina? I thought he'd be better, but I was like, I don't no. really know if he's got that level in him anymore because yeah. of all the soft tissue stuff. And boy, he is. Yeah, it's, it's to the point where, like, I th- I still think it's undoubted that Nick Chubb is the best pure runner in the league. I, mm-hmm. But now between the injury and what McCaffrey is doing, you can't just – you can't blithely say that Nick Chubb is the best running back in the way that I was very confident doing two years ago because McCaffrey has reached another level with the 49ers and unlocks so much for them. Lamar is the MVP. Any issue with that? No, I think it's a – it's – I, 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 there's something about the Ravens that continues to be true where they, his dominance is different than what Mahomes or Allen do. There's less, it's not that he isn't capable of making great throws. He, he made a bunch against the Browns back in week four, mm-hmm. but often he's, his, his brilliance is, is in his ability to keep things on time. And then when they need him, to break their the opponent's backs, he 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 always shows up in those moments. But it's not it's not quite the same thing as even like what Justin Herbert does in terms of arm talent throws, those sorts of things. And it's not to take anything away from it, but it just even watching him against Houston, I wasn't there was never a point where I felt myself overwhelmed by his presence in the game, even though he very clearly was the best player on the field. Let me throw this to you: Is he like the best? ever version of a game manager we will see because he like Lamar does things it's kind of like Miles he does things you can't see to what the defense chooses to do while the offense on the flip side of it with the Browns defense where they can only play specific coverages specific fronts and very much have to be a very calculated style by which you play because you with Lamar, everyone wants to keep everything in front of them. They don't want to let things get behind them, and they don't want to get their pass rush behind him, et cetera, et cetera. But you're right, Andrew, where his brilliance is less wow factor and more, to your point, keeping everything on time and picking up those first downs to keep things moving in the right direction. But he will then be able to deliver a football downfield if you do, if you don't, you know, stay honest. But his ability, my, my, my general point is I'm not calling him a game manager, but he has a lot of game manager tendencies with like these next level supplementary things he can pull into, which is the running and the option game. And like where every other game manager doesn't pick up that first down, he does. But it's like, I don't know. I, I have a hard time defining it. And I think the way you, you were trying to define it at the beginning is also uh, where we're at, whereas like it's hard to pinpoint the way to describe Lamar Jackson other than he's not fun to play against and he's really fucking good. 
and that is a, it's a bummer. It's a re- the only thing you have is that maybe some soft tissue stuff will catch up with them at the end of the year. That happened two straight years. Didn't happen this year, and they're this version that is re- really when you pair it with the defense and the way that defense plays, they're an annoying throwback football team, right? Um, anyway, yeah. that, I think no, I think that fun. I think that between the two of us, we kind of circled circled what this is because I think the throwback thing is really helpful too, right? The the way that the Ravens win is not the same way that a lot of other of the best teams in the league are winning right now. And it makes it sometimes feel like they should be gettable. I have said on this podcast a bunch that they haven't taken a bunch of teams' best punches. And I, I think at a certain point when you see that happen week after week, you have to start to give the team that's – it's kind of like how Ali, as much as he ever was a really good puncher, he was also very, very good at managing a fight. And I think the Ravens yeah. are elite from the head coach on down at managing a game so that they don't they they don't maybe necessarily ever look as dominant as other teams do but then at the end you look up at the scoreboard they've they've beat a lot of good teams by large numbers this year because I think, they, you, I think they really manage games well you might have nailed it he is not the showman that muhammad is because he doesn't like to do that stuff he says all the right things right which is another thing yeah, about he, him he doesn't want to be controversial and and you know but he is zerm the other day said you know the, the, how cool that moment was with cj stroud and like it actually pisses me off how cool lamar jackson is even dating back to his like 2018 yep. shirt i loved which was nobody cares work harder stuff like that like this is not a – most of you probably hate the Ravens. We don't like the Ravens either. It's annoying. I'm saying I have an annoying amount of respect for Lamar Jackson. And, like, I think that your way of saying he – and I think you could say this is he is like the Muhammad Ali of quarterback play where he can float, he can keep himself alive, he can keep his offense alive, but he will also sting you with unbelievable plays when you're not expecting it or you're not prepared or you're undisciplined. You nailed it, is my point, Andrew. So kudos to you. Nice job. Um, only other thing to add from the Pro Football Writers of America stuff is that DeWand was a rookie on the all-rookie team, the only rookie to make it, um, quite obviously the only one that would really be eligible from a playing time perspective, right? Uh, maybe Ronnie Hickman played a little more later into the year. He'd had a chance, but um, encouraging for DeWand. We have high hopes for you, DeWand Jones. So let's uh, let's see you. Take advantage of it. All right, we're going to take a a quick break. Word from our sponsors, come back, and then we're going to play a little around the NFL content before we get out of here. So hang in there. Be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hype for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats. Like I said, before you buy them, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they're sent directly to your phone. All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets. Create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co. But I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon, using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, around the NFL, we want to just kind of update you on things happening in the league. Uh, you probably know these things, but I think it's okay to riff on them every now and again. Tennessee is all in on the Callahan project. We talked about Brian's perhaps desire to have his dad on the coaching staff. We haven't seen it come to fruition yet. He's obviously in the early parts of building his staff. I would say, let me ask you this, Andrew, if Bill Callahan, who is under contract comes to you and says, because a guy named Mike Herndon, who we've had on this show does a lot of Tennessee coverage mentioned the idea that the Browns wouldn't let him go. What if the Browns play hardball? We're not letting you go, man. Sorry. And um, the idea of would they trade for him? It'd be interesting. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I don't know, seventh round pick or something. But um, I don't know about the NFL's history of ever trading a position coach. That'd be unique. But if he comes to you and says, hey, guys, listen, I've given it my all for four years. I don't have a PowerPoint prepared here, but I've given it my all for four years. I would prefer to go coach with my son to end my career. Can you let me do that? I'm inclined to think the Browns say yes. Do you believe so, or do you think they're going to be sticklers? I think they say yes, but I, I, I just don't know what to expect. You know, at this yeah, point, I don't I, either. Yeah, I, I one of the because one of the things that you've said, Jake, is that you feel like this is a, a a tanking coaching hire from the Titans' perspective that they're trying to kind of clean house a little bit, which is interesting because part of what's happening there right now is Vrabel apparently had a lot more control than was really ever publicized over the roster and things like that. And they're very being very clear now that Rand Carthen, the general manager that they hired last year to replace John Robinson is now kind of getting the keys to everything. So Brian Callahan is going to be one of the, would you say he's going to ran with it? I I definitely would say that Jake. Okay. I would want to make sure I would. Yeah. I would put that on a t-shirt even score. That's 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 free for them. That's, you know, that's complimentary. But I, I think the point there is I think Callahan is going to be one of the more limited coaches in the NFL. So uh, it's from a, just from a control standpoint, and I think it's interesting if that plays a role in Callahan's desire to go down and work there, if, it's, if it is going to be a true one or two and you're done situation for him, it's almost like you wouldn't want your dad to show up. Well, wasn't the, yeah, I agree. Wasn't the context of Vrabel's firing or exit that there was a difference in 
the the pursuit of all in versus the pursuit of like we should be collecting assets. Am I misunderstood? Did I mishear I that? I think that's part of it. I think that they felt like they probably could never take a full step back if Vrabel yeah. was having roster control because he's like Belichick in in terms of or you know a lot of coaches. Not a lot of coaches yeah. want to eat a two year rebuild. Yeah, they're to too, not they're really too competitive for it. You know, to not really trade some of those aging assets that they've had are um, those they actually are added. Yeah. They added aging players. So I, I think, yeah, I think the whole situation there is really interesting. I think the owner clearly is more involved now than she has been, which yeah. is also something to continue to watch because anytime an owner thinks they need to be more involved, it, it raises the alarm bells a little bit. Mm-hmm. But but they're clearly moving to a, a, a method where the, the general manager is empowered to oversee a, a more long-term strategic project, whether they think they're going to tear it down to the studs or whatever, we'll see. But empowering the general manager like that usually means a longer-term philosophy. Which, it gets interesting there, because that's the the thing I've tried to say it equates to, is what the Bengals did with Zach Taylor, where they stripped it down, but they ran into the right draft and the right number one pick that gives you a longer time. They're in a little bit of a different situation there, because Will Levis has shown some promise. So it's like, maybe if Callahan comes in and elevates... Levis, you get some bigger opportunity window here, but from the outside looking in, that feels like the hire before the hire, that they are going to be making strategic front office moves to not tank, but maybe, right? We talk about tanking doesn't happen on the field, right? You know, I would never want a coach that I even didn't believe was maybe going to be my long-term decade-long coach to be a guy who couldn't motivate. That was the funniest thing about the Cardinal stuff all year. Nobody said Gannon wasn't going to try to motivate and get things out of his players. It was the decision to tank comes from above. So I, I've always found that that rhetoric a little funny, but um, I think it's obvious that, that that's a job. Callahan's taking a job that I don't think many people valued this offseason. So, and again, there's only 32 of these open sure. ever. Right. So like you take it, but. Right. But if you're wondering why he became the guy that they wanted to hire, it's because he was amenable to some of what they've done structure wise while at the same time still being a young offensive mind. Right That's kind of a hard – Ben Johnson is not going to Tennessee, in other words, right? Because he's, he Ben wants – is going to want a pretty large contract and a lot of control wherever yeah. he ends up, whether it's Washington or elsewhere. All right, so other things that happened in the NFL. Tom Telesco apparently just fails into another job. Um, the tweet that was put out around his hiring by the Raiders, which I think some Raiders people are a little bummed because they had an internal candidate who they really liked and they decided to go internal with Antonio Pierce and then rip the rug out on that one. Um, Telesco, uh, apparently, I don't know which of the NFL copy pasters, uh, put this out, but had said that he built one of the best rosters in the NFL. And it's like, Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, there, there is a level of I don't know if it's because maybe people feel like Twitter is not as much of a legitimate news source as it used to be because of all the changes that have gone on, but there is a level of shamelessness with the water carrying that's happening now with these source quote unquote source guys. Yeah, that I is really breathtaking to me. And uh, you know, there was the suggestion uh, last night that Arthur Smith has already received uh, solicitations for seven different offensive coordinator positions. Uh, which is Greg Williams type stuff, quite frankly. Great. Yeah, it is. Uh, that doesn't pass even the remotest smell test. Maybe that's so. his agent calling and asking if they're interested in him. Right, sure. By Possibly. which they respond no. 
I don't know. I, I, yeah, this stuff is goofy. I, yeah, the copy paste stuff that we've learned that these guys are doing. I think there was a time and space of Twitter in this news realm where we thought they were actually doing investigative work on their own. No, we have figured out that they take things that agents write for them and just paste it into their Twitter thread. And that's it's pretty gross, but that's just the way the world has evolved. There's no insider stuff anymore. It's very rare. It's yeah. just agents giving them nuggets of information that they know and when they want to release it. So, And if you want it, you publish it the way the agent writes it. Exactly right. Right. So there you have it. Telesco, good luck. Um, beautiful stadium. Have fun. Yeah, it's not a fun fan base to work with. Uh, Fangio is the other big news. So Vic Fangio decides he wants out of Miami. They let him out of his contract, agree to part ways after one year. Mm-hmm. The general consensus is that he is going to be going back to Philadelphia. Right. Where he was an advisor the year before. They didn't hire him. Maybe he gave them like a strong recommendation for Desai and that's why they I have no idea why the two wouldn't have linked up last year, but they're going that direction. Now there's also the other Staley of this podcast, Brandon Staley, former Chargers head coach, potentially maybe taking over, stepping in and being the guy in uh Miami, which would give them two very youthful and familiar very, very uh, funny leaders of that yeah. organization um, in a way there, n- neither here nor there. But I think the thing that's interesting about these Fangio cover six guys, cover two, or sorry, cover four, six guys that run that shell. The NFL was very swept up with them four or five years ago. And I feel like if you're still pushing this trend, you're falling a little bit behind. Like my general point with a tweet earlier was I want guys who deceive, who are masters of deception and the, the two that stand out are Mike McDonald and obviously the, the Steve Spagnuolo down in Kansas City. I don't know what hex Andy Reid has over the rest of the NFL that, you, that people just like can't look up how good the Chiefs defense has been and respectable over years of talent that has not been great. And they've even drafted really well some late round DBs that have turned into really successful players for them. Part of that, though, is also the system, right? Like you play well because you're coached well often. I, I would agree, and that's why it's amazing to me. We never hear of Kansas City defensive assistants getting any interest because what I would be looking to do is taking a safeties coach or a corners coach or something and saying, you come over here, we'll upgrade you to pass game defense coordinator. What are you guys doing there? How are you teaching them? How are you rotating coverages? Like, right. I want to know what McDonald's doing and Spags are doing because I think they're two of the best altering – the picture, the biggest thing a coach can do to a quarterback is confuse them from pre to post snap. It's the bit. It, it, I will never think otherwise, because if you want to know why quarterbacks hold the football, it's not because they run man or zone. It's because they don't know what they're looking at. That's it. Mm-hmm. So I want guys who are masters at that. And I think Lou Anaruma is another one who's still good at it. They had a down year tried to warn him, Andrew, because, you know, you're replacing some veterans here and just plug and play safeties don't always equal quality play. He tried to warn him, but I still think Luana Rumo is really good at it, too. Would love to see the Browns expand some theory on this this disguise stuff, but I just in general, man, I really think that that's where I'd be pushing if I were looking in this room, not necessarily the Fangio stuff, which I feel like his tree is fading away here and i think people yeah. have figured some of the stuff out to attack the, the the way those guys operate yeah the idea that the that fangio would go to miami turn turn the eagles down or they didn't hire him whatever they didn't want this last year it didn't happen last year and now it's a better idea based on what has happened in the intervening year does not make any sense to me whatsoever 
I mean, I get it from Fangio's perspective because apparently he wants to be closer to his family. So that's yeah. great for him. Yeah. Congrats, Vic. That's good. Family is important. But from Philadelphia's standpoint, replacing potentially, you know, replacing uh, Vic Fangio, uh, or I should say the, the guys that they just fired with Vic Fangio and a question mark at offensive coordinator, maybe Jim Bob Cooter or something like that. It just doesn't not uh, overwhelmed with confidence about where things are headed in Philadelphia at this point. But, you know, I, I think the interesting thing too, Jake, is you, you just talked about how great Mike McDonald is. It seems like he's not going to get a job somehow. Not even getting an interview. Did I miss an interview? Did he interview somewhere? And I missed yeah, he's, it? he has, he has interviewed. Yeah. Okay, I, I, I must've missed that. I'm pretty sure he has interviewed for maybe most of them, but. Well, this uh, is what happens. Isn't it every year? Some coach yeah. who takes his team deep to the playoffs just misses out because teams are impatient. I feel like it happens every year, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to me that, that that guy wouldn't get an opportunity given what we've seen, but the impatience here, I did see while we're talking, the Bengals succession plan does seem to work out with Dan Pitcher, their quarterback's coach to take over for Callahan. I do think he was a really popular interview candidate. We talked about this a few pods ago yep. where they uh, had to act fast. I do wonder what upgrades they gave him to stay because he was being pursued. Him and Zach Robinson were being pursued pretty heavily across the league. So you'd have to think there's, I mean, if pitcher wants to be a serious coach and you know, he's got to call plays. I wonder if he takes over calling plays uh, with, with, uh, with Cincinnati now to keep him there. Washington. Sorry. Yes, that's, you're absolutely right. Then uh, I think that there's an interesting conversation about what the Bengals, where they're headed, right. With losing Callahan and yeah. and how much you it's always so hard to apportion between you know the head coach the offensive coordinator the quarterbacks coach all these different people that that have a a, a hand in things um Washington Tennessee Atlanta Carolina have all interviewed uh Mike McDonald well I crushed that and, and not, not like anybody's uh interviewed him Right, good well, on, right on you, Jake. But the point is, is that he, as far as I can tell, is not a leading candidate in any He's of those. He's gotten places. a second interview at any of these spots, right? And I, I don't, don't think he can right now. I think right. he has to wait. Well, so but the, but it's exactly what you said about the timing. I think the NFL long term, it's not going to happen for a while because the NFL is slow on this stuff. But I think long term, it would be in the best interest of the league for there to not be any hiring until after the after the postseason ends. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I I, the, I genuinely think the reason they do it is to keep fan bases in, in invested. I agree with like, you. Keep the news cycle rolling. But boy, would it make sense to balance the playing? You're almost you're almost punished, right? For your team for sure. going deep into the playoffs. The idea that he opportunities. can do what he did this year and yeah. not get a head coaching job when there are so many. There are eight vacancies. The the Titans talked to him. Went with Brian Callahan. You know, I understand what happened with the Raiders and Antonio Pierce, but there there are going to be people coaches hired that are less qualified there maybe arguably already have been coaches that are less qualified than mike mcdonald and then obviously from the browns perspective it it's a little bit you. like the lou anarumo thing where he he's great and can't get a job so you're going to see probably the ravens at least make it to the afc championship game if not the super bowl and then come back with the the entire staff intact next year which is what we kept complaining about with the Bengals, right so there you go that you said. Um, okay, on the way out the door, I have some coaches on a list, and we're going to give them odds that they get a job. It's funny you mentioned Washington. I forgot that job was even open, which is speaks to the forgettable nature of this franchise. Um, we're going to, yeah, just simply odds. 
you know, loose, loose ends here. Mm -hmm. So I have five that I've put on this list. We'll start with the first one, which is Jim Harbaugh. So Mm -hmm. obviously Harbaugh's choices are not to take a year off. It's either he's staying at Michigan, signing an extension there, or he's coming to the NFL. I think it seems like the chargers are the only serious connection for him, but I also, part of me feels like it would be done already because they've they've been so closely connected. So there's some haggle going on. Either he's not getting something he wants or uh, could be anything there, but like I feel like there's something going on. So Harbaugh, I, I don't think, though, I mean, it was a little connection to Ares, or, uh, to Atlanta maybe, but I don't know if anyone else has taken him in for a second or third type of interview. Have you noticed that? I think those are the I think those are the teams, and I think – I think the wrinkle here is that the Chargers are balking at something that he wanted because yeah. he was trying to say that he's going to Atlanta for an interview and then maybe it hasn't happened. And so it's very clearly a, a negotiating tactic to to try and get what he wants out of the Chargers, which he probably will. But that ownership group is also a little bit unique in terms of how they run things. So uh, maybe not. But I think if he goes to the NFL, it'll be to Los Angeles. And I think... I would put it at like a true coin flip right now, whether he does that or goes back to Michigan, because he knows he can just do all this again next year. Yeah, he can keep flirting with the idea at the right time, right place. So you're putting that one in an even coin flip. All right, Bill Belichick really seems to only be connected to Atlanta. I haven't seen him get a ton of interviews at other places that have been serious. Uh, To me, I had a theory before we started the show that I think that I would put this at like, I don't know that I would put it high. I'd probably put it at like plus 250 that he's not in the league this year. I think there's a very high likelihood he is demanding certain things. He is saying, I am not going to take a role unless it has every part of control that I want, which if you know why he got the the situation melted down in New England, it was Dan, I'm sorry, excuse me, it was Bill Belichick, the GM versus Bill Belichick, the coach. And I think there's probably a lot of league-wide hesitation on doing that for him this cycle. Give it a year where you're not in the league. You pop up on a couple shows. You give some expert analysis. Guess which two jobs might be open next year, which are desperate, desperate, desperate situations for wins and the right kind of publicity. The two New York teams, the Jets and the Giants might be sitting there willing to say, Bill, take whatever you want. Just come join this organization and, uh, and, and, and run it and, and do what you can. Obviously, both connected to him, the defensive coordinator for the Giants with Parcells for all those years, Super Bowl runs, and then the flirtation he had with the Jets head coach, where he was like their coach for a couple hours before stepping away from that. So, I, I Andrew, I, I would if I was to do like a long play, and that was say like, Belichick will coach one of the New York teams in 2025. That's where I would direct my money. I love this take from you. You said this pre-show and I, I lost my mind. It's one of the, I wish I had thought about, I'm deeply envious that I did not think of this first. It's, it's absolutely spot on for him, his sense of history, a sense of irony, all the things that it would satisfy to either go to the jets and beat the tar out of the Patriots twice a year, or go to the giants where he, really started his career with Bill Parcells. So either one fits very well with his personality and the sort of thing he would want to do. And I think you're absolutely right that both of those coaches, certainly the Jets, to a certain extent, the Giants will enter the 24 season on the hot seat. I think he's, that's a good play for him. 
probably use a recharge year. Maybe uh, if if Saban was still coaching, he'd have popped up down at Alabama camp. Right. You know. Right. right. He, he's going to be doing all the little image things. So yeah, he probably won't take a lot of time off. I imagine he'll probably be consulting in some capacity for somebody. But I I agree with you in terms of I think that that makes sense for him. He's not going to settle for anything less than a lot of control. It's just it's baked into who he is. Yep. And I think the Falcons are maybe smart enough to hold off from giving him everything he wants which means that he might take the year off. Next up is Vrabel. Um, I think he's going to take a job. I would put it at like negative 500. He's going to take a job somewhere. I don't envision him. He's too good and there's too many open, and he's too active in the cycle of interviews to not get a job somewhere, whether that's the Chargers going that direction because they don't want to cave on certain things. A lot of different routes here. I find it very likely he's taking a job somewhere. So I will put it at a negative 500. You got to put 500 down to get 100 back. Those are long odds, Jake. Those are long odds. I would say it's possible. He, as far as I can tell, has only interviewed with the Panthers and the Falcons. So that's the only thing holding me back. But maybe he is taking his time. Maybe he gets involved in Seattle. Or like you said, if the Harbaugh thing doesn't work out, maybe he ends up in L.A. But it's interesting that there's only two places considering there's so many openings that he only got two interviews so I, that's one I, I think what carolina ends up doing i think it's it's t- feels fairly obvious that they want ben johnson yeah but that they're not probably not going to get him because he ends up in washington where the panthers go and where that lunatic owner pivots to is is one of my questions for how this all plays out very much agree next one's pete carroll i don't feel like pete carroll's involved in coaching this year um I think there's been some buzz. He's looking at other places, but I don't get the vibe that he's going to be coaching in 2020. Uh, I guess the question for him is, do you think he is a head coach once more before he's done? What odds would you put on that? You think so? 10 to one. Okay. Wait, one and yeah, whatever. I think that's sure. Like minus a thousand that he's a head coach again. He's too good. And he's too, his whole thing of his youthful exuberance is too, it's, he's going to convince somebody to do it. But, uh, you know, that's another one where he was with the Jets. Maybe he ends up with the Jets again next year. Who, who knows, man? I I think as much as this year was it was full of a lot of openings, it was also full of a few openings that were sort of non-openings or something like that. I think the yeah. Titans and the Raiders, the ones that have already filled their positions, it's very clear to me they, they didn't really do a full wide open search. They kind of had certain restrictions on what they were willing to do. Last one's Mike McDonald. I'm just going to speak it into existence. Somebody has to hire him. Yeah. And I think we are seeing a little bit of a delay here on filling these jobs. So, mm-hmm. Well, I the one that I didn't to... mention that he did also interview with is Seattle, and that one makes sense to me. It does make sense. Let's let's just say for the sake of, like, I need this guy to get a job, yeah. I'm going to put him at the same level as Vrabel. Perfect. Negative 500. Speak it into existence, like you said. Let's there it, it is. All right. Well, those are your big names. There's a very real possibility that Harbaugh – Belichick and Pete Carroll are once again on the leading name circuit next year because they didn't take a job this year. So there we are, folks. That's it. That's all. That's a podcast. Andrew and I very much appreciate you guys spending time with us, spending time with this show. Uh, And thank you for obviously making it a part of your subscription on the daily. So uh, I don't think we're going to get multiple episodes, just a one episode day, but uh, hopefully you enjoyed this one. A lot of information jam packed into it. So Uh, As we always say, thanks for being here and making the OBR Film Breakdown a uh, part of your day and uh, rate and review the pod. Some of you have done that. We really appreciate that as well. So, guys, have a great one. Be well. 
Go Browns. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.